His name is the only name that matters. And for all who know and love Jesus Christ, his heart is all we desire. It's not our will, but his alone forever. And we want to be those people who are walking in his way and celebrating all that God has done, all that God is doing and anticipate all that he has for us. I'm so grateful for the many have been giving and been so faithful to, to tithe and to pursue God in this, this kind of obedience. It's so important. The, the dollars that are coming to our church go through our church to ministries beyond just us here in Bowling Green, but to uh, other places throughout the world where the gospel is needed. So let me encourage you to continue to give. And as we begin this morning, I, I want to pray and I want to encourage you, uh, if you've not yet, to go to our website, livehopeful.com, Click on the give uh, tab there and then set up a, a way for, for you to give financially to God's work. I want to pray for that work now and pray for God to, to bless the preaching of his word. So let's pray together. Father, we do. We thank you for your goodness to us and we celebrate your grace and we really want to have your heart. We really want to understand your way. We want you to have your way in our life so that everything that we do is about you because everything about you is good. Everything about your way is right. And so, Lord, as we give financially, we ask that you would bless those dollars. We pray that you would use this for your glory, that people would hear the good news, that people would receive counsel and love and encouragement. We are so grateful for the way you work through Living Hope, and I pray that you will bless each person as they give. Father, as we now open your word, Holy Spirit, would you empower me to preach it rightly? We do this in the name of Jesus. Lord, you have been raised and, and we celebrate your kindness and goodness to us. And my, my prayer now, oh God, is that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight because you are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. I fully anticipate that the Lord God is going to challenge his people. But if you're a person who's not walking with God, maybe you've detoured away from God, maybe you don't know where you stand with God. It may very well be that in the next few moments that the, the God of the universe is, is going to speak to your heart. He's going to open your eyes to a reality that he loves you and that he wants to be in your life and you in his. And if that happens, here's what I would ask you to do, please. Uh, text Welcome to Hope, no space, to 84576. That will come directly to me. And, and as a church family, we want to connect with you and we want to be a part of whatever God is doing. Help in any way that we can. Doesn't mean that you're committing to membership here. Doesn't mean that you're committing to anything other than a willingness to have a conversation about the God of the Bible and who he is and what he can do in your life. And my prayer is that he's going to do something great. Our, our annual theme this year is Come See What God Can Do. We, we want to have 2020 vision. So here we are in the year 2020 and, and we're thinking through what is it we need to see? What do we, what do we need to celebrate? How do we need to, to experience this, this great and mighty God? We, we know that God is changing lives. We know that God has power to work. Many have experienced it. All the members of Living Hope can tell you about what their life was like before they met Jesus 
how they came to have saving faith in Jesus, and now how Jesus is transforming and working in our life. And, and because of that, we want to share that hope. We want to impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And one of the key ways that we do that is by having a simple conversation. It's called Three Big Things. If you've not yet been trained in that and, and you're a part of Living Hope, let me encourage you to email info at lhbg.org and just put train me in three big things. And we would be glad to reach out to you and help you with that. Because again, it's a great way to have a conversation about what God can do and does do in people's lives. And so this year, we're, we're all about here at Living Hope, seeing what God can do. And so today, we're ending a, ending a series called See the Celebrations of Life. You know, uh, life is often complicated and complex. And yet, there are many simple and significant celebrations that God calls us to along the way. Life is a journey. And in this journey, there's a lot to celebrate. And for those who are disciples of Jesus Christ, we're able to celebrate with him and in him and even for him because of his goodness to us. Everyone has celebrations along the way. And over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about several of those. And today we're going to finish this series. I always, always seem to hate to finish a series because there's still, I know, so much more that can be said about the topic but we're going to trust that we've done what God wants. And today we're going to end this series as we talk about celebrations and, and a significant picture. Now, let me talk to you about what's coming next. We're about to begin a series on the Holy Spirit. And I'm so excited about, about that. I, I have to admit that over the years of my ministry, I have failed to give proper attention to the work and person of the Holy Spirit. Now, last year, I, I sought to rectify that. And we actually had a very long series after Easter leading up to Pentecost Sunday. And so if you've never heard those series, let me encourage you to go to the archives on our website or on our app and listen to those sermons. But the next series we're going to do is a series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about who He is the Holy Spirit is not the cousin it of the Trinity. He is a person. He's, he's someone that we experience. And we're going to talk about what that means in this next series and how it is we can have life in him, how he brings life and what it is he does in a person's life who believes in Jesus Christ. I'm very excited about it. And I hope that you'll make plans to join us for that very important series. We're going we're gonna to talk about how we can see the, the Holy Spirit do his thing. And, and it's going to be it's going to be very, very practical, but very important for us. Now, today we're going to focus on a powerful picture, a, a vital celebration that provides a, a, an example or, or a, a means for us to celebrate what God has done in our lives. You know, they, they say, they say a, a picture is worth a thousand words. And I, I must admit that I believe it. You know, when you, you look at a picture like this, the raising of the flag at Iwo Jima, it, it moves me. When I see that picture, I, I'm inspired. I, I'm mindful of what, what must have been happening in that moment. Now, we need to understand that that picture was not a celebration of the end of the conflict in the Pacific during World War II. It, it was, though, a significant victory on the island of Iwo Jima after a long, hard battle, and a battle that actually continued on for some time after. But what that picture did was it 
it presented the reality of the dignity and the strength and the commitment of the Marines. And the Marines now have this great reputation in part because of this picture. You know, it would be one thing to, to say, hey, there were these six guys and they raised a flag on this island uh, of Iwo Jima after a hard battle. It's another thing to see that picture to imagine what was happening and to, to have your heart moved by the dedication and the pride and the sacrifice of these soldiers. That's, that's what that picture does for me among many other things. You know, another picture is a picture of these Jews who suffered in a concentration camp, a Nazi concentration camp uh, during the time of World War II. You know, last year I was at the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., and there were a lot of pictures like this, pictures that show the horror of humanity, the worst of what human beings can do to one another. And it's, it's an awful, awful thing. It's important to remember. And I'm so grateful that the Holocaust Museum is there because it reminds us of the brokenness of this world and the need we have for Jesus Christ and the power of God's love but also what evil can do if it is not stopped. And so I don't, I don't know what you see when you see this picture, but I, I think if you were to say, and if you were just to hear, hey, there are three Jewish men who almost starved to death in a, in a Nazi concentration camp would be one thing, but it's another thing to see that picture to see how thin they are, to see what they suffered. And again, there's so much that could be said about that picture that there's a power in that. Pictures present things in such a way that it creates words and ideas and thoughts beyond what just simple words can do. Now, words are important. They say that words create worlds, and, and I believe that. And God uses words. You know, you think about this word, Revelation chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. There's one thing to read that description. There's one thing to hear those words and to imagine it. I believe it's going to be something altogether different to actually see it. My goodness, if the, if the Apostle John were able to have had a smartphone to take a quick picture of, of that vision, of that, uh, what he saw, I think we would be overwhelmed. And I know and I look forward to the day when I cross through that river of death and enter into that celestial city to see what John saw. And I believe that there will take, it will take all of eternity for me to praise the God of that realm, of that heaven, of that kingdom because I will see it because seeing something creates a movement within us see pictures they they truly are 
powerful. And God has commanded us to create a picture, to provide a picture of obedience that reveals his greatness. Those who repent and believe the gospel, they are to be baptized to reveal the way in which God has greatly worked to bring glory to his name by changing our lives. Now, our text today speaks to God's command to baptize believers. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's now go to Matthew chapter 28. And I'm going to read uh, verses 18 through 20. Many uh, members of Living Hope don't have to turn there. Many of you have memorized this. And if you've not yet memorized this section of scripture, let me encourage you to do that today and this week and make sure that you always have this scripture in your heart and mind. This is Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And I'm going to read that now. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Well, friends, this is a message that Jesus gave his disciples before he ascended into heaven. This was his last will and testament. This was his last command given by his own mouth to those of us who are his people. And what it tells us simply is that we are to go and make disciples. That is, we are to help people know the grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ, his holy life, his death on the cross and resurrection. And and as we share that good news and people believe, we are to baptize them. The the term that best describes this event is believer's baptism. It, it It is vital that we understand what believer's baptism is, what it isn't, and why it is that it matters. So first of all, what is believer's baptism? Understand believer's baptism is a symbol. This comes from three big things, the study that I continually encourage people to get trained in through Living Hope. The definition is this. Believer's baptism occurs after a person's independent and conscious choice to repent of sin and trust Jesus alone to save. It is a symbolic act of obedience and allegiance to Jesus by which a person who has believed in the gospel testifies that through Jesus their old life is over. Their sin is washed away. They have been raised up to walk in a new life and will follow Jesus all of their days. So believer's baptism is a symbol. It's something that we do out of obedience and out of our allegiance to Jesus. And it provides a message within the method, a picture that is worth a thousand praises. Now what believer's baptism is not, it is not a means. It is not a way for a person to be saved. The way a person is saved is by grace through faith in Christ alone. Ephesians chapter 2 beginning in verse 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Salvation is received by faith. Believing in who Jesus is and what he's accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection. It is not trusting in ourselves. It is trusting in the finished work of Christ. And we receive that 
of having repented of our own self-sufficiency, repented of our sins. We believe in who Jesus is and what he's done, and we place our faith in him. That's what saves us. Baptism is a symbolic act that celebrates our salvation and the work that God did to save us and what happened to us in order for us to be saved. Now, why is believer's baptism important? Why does it matter? Well, friends, it is a command. It is a command of God that celebrates God's power. And so let's look closer at at exactly what baptism celebrates. Uh, These are notes that you can find at livehopeful.com. You can find them uh, there on the This Sunday page. And I would encourage you to take notes and to, to utilize them for later study. But let's begin and let's talk about what baptism is a celebration of. So first of all, understand, baptism is a celebration of the end of darkness. Baptism is a celebration of the end of darkness. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16 is a quotation of Isaiah 9, 6. And it says this, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. See, this is what Jesus came to do. God the Father sent his son to come. He was born of a virgin. And when he came into the world, he brought light. See, when a person is saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, they are brought from spiritual darkness into eternal light. See, a person who has repented and believed the gospel, that is an enlightened person. When we look at the three circles, which helps us understand the reality of every individual's life, we understand that God's design was perfect harmony. But because of sin, there's now brokenness in the world. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, there's brokenness in our relationship with God, with our understanding of ourselves, and in our relationships with other people. But because of the grace of God, Jesus Christ has come, the light has come, and we can repent of darkness. We can repent of dark ways of life. And we can believe that the light has come and we can follow Jesus, which allows us to see ahead so that we can pursue and recover God's design. See, the light of the gospel changes everything about a believer's life. How we think, how we feel, how we live is completely changed. See, the gospel light, first of all, it changes how we think. The the Bible describes salvation as an enlightening. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, It says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. When we repent and believe, our minds become open to an understanding of reality that we did not have before. Friends, I'm I'm able to remember the first time I ever typed on a computer and used a computer to write a paper. It was in the fall of 1993. And I remember this opened a whole new world of reality for me. See, up to that point, we had to type on a typewriter on paper and we had to use whiteout. And if we made a mistake, we had to start all over again. Having this new technology opened me up to a whole new reality. It was glorious. If I made a mistake, all I had to do was backspace and I could rewrite it. All I had to do was save that document and that document was made available to me at any other time. And that document was saved. It was protected so that so that I could always access it. And, and so it is for those who are enlightened in the life of Christ. The Holy Spirit corrects us. 
Friends, this correction is more than just a little whiteout. It's not a cover-up job. It's a transformation. When we come to saving faith in Jesus Christ and, and we are born again and the Spirit of God enlightens us and gives us new life, he then provides for us the means to understand reality, to understand the, the sickness and the power and the destructiveness of sin so that we can avoid it and be transformed by the power of God. In, the, in this enlightened state, the Bible leads us. See, we have in God's word, the Bible, we have eternal truth. And this truth changes us, how we live, how we think. Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. For those of us who've trusted Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God allows us to understand ourselves, God, and our world so that we can see what's going on around us, the path. We can see our own footsteps and what it is we're dealing with. God reveals that to us through His Word. And finally, the Father saves and He protects us forever. And it's a whole new way of life. It's a whole new way of understanding reality. It, the gospel light, it changes how we think. The gospel light also changes how we feel. The Bible describes the feeling of salvation in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What does salvation feel like? It feels like hope. To go from darkness into light is to go from hopelessness to hopeful. Uh, in, my, in my book, A Year of Hope, I, I define hope as this. Hope is the confident realization that good is occurring and the confident expectation that good is going to come. This is what we experience and feel in our hearts as, as people who have repented and believed the gospel, who have gone from darkness to light, we know, we know in our minds because we see reality different. And so we feel differently about everything we go through. We know that every challenge, every trial, every temptation, every thorn, every season of sickness, every pandemic, every pain has a purpose. We know that, that God has a reason for what is happening. And we have hope. We know that God's at work through it and that he is for us and that he is with us and that he's working in us and, and, and along through us for his glory. The gospel, the gospel light, it, it, it changes not only how we think and how we feel, but how we live. The Bible describes the life of salvation as a way of life or a walk. First John chapter one, verse seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It opens our eyes to the reality of what's happening so that we feel different, so that we live differently. We're able to avoid pitfalls. We're able to avoid that sin that so easily entangles us. When my wife Carrie and I were first married, we lived in a very tiny apartment and I remember one night when we were early on married, I wasn't quite yet used to where the furniture was and the light was off and I wanted to go get a drink of water. And so I had to take all of maybe 15 steps to get into our tiny kitchen. But somehow within those 15 steps in the darkness, I didn't see a table and I nailed my shin right on it and it hurt so bad. 
Oh my goodness. I mean, it was everything for me not to scream, scream out like a, like a baby, but I didn't, you know, cause you know, I'm, I'm a man, but I, I didn't want to wake anybody up that I was mostly scared of. But in that moment, what happened was because I was in darkness, I didn't see the trouble that was ahead. I didn't see the, the thing that would cause me pain. And so what did I do? I nailed it. And for those who walk in darkness, this is what happens over and over. Some of you are listening to me right now. You're not disciples of Jesus. You've never repented of your sin and believed in Jesus Christ. And you keep nailing your life into to something hurtful. You keep falling into the same pit. You keep hitting up against the same hurts. And friend, that's because you're in darkness. It's because you're trying to do life on your own. You're not designed for that. God's design was for harmony with him. And you can have that by grace through faith in Christ alone. And, and what, what baptism pictures is this new life. It, it pictures the fact that our old life is over. And so when we're buried in Christ in baptism, when we are taken under that water, it's a funeral to darkness. It's a funeral to our old life where, where we thought and felt and acted in darkness. And that life is over and it's a celebration of that death. The second thing, though, baptism is a celebration of is the washing of grace. It celebrates the washing of grace. Titus chapter three, beginning in verse four, we read. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk more about that in that next series. But I want you to notice the washing of regeneration, whom he poured out in us, on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. When we repent and believe the gospel, our sin is washed away. We are given new life. We become heirs of heaven there is nothing like having a clean conscience. There's nothing like knowing that all your sin, everything that you've done to harm your relationship with God, everything you've done to harm yourself and your relationship with others, it's all forgiven. It's washed away. You know, I can remember uh, as a freshman in high school, I had a teacher who couldn't stand me. And she had every reason not to like me. I was rude. I cheated on her test. I, I did not give her any kind of respect. I, I, I showed her contempt and she did not care for me. And I totally understood it. And when I would go by her class, she would give me dirty looks. When I was in her class, it, it was a miserable time. She was on me. I was mean. It was not good. And I found myself avoiding that hallway. Well, you know, uh, the, the summer after my freshman year, uh, 1988, June 28, 1988, I repented of my sin and I believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and I was saved and my life changed and I went from darkness into light. And I remember when school started, I, I ran into that teacher and I apologized and I said, I, I hope that you can forgive me. Can I tell you something that has happened to my life? And I shared how Christ had saved me and how he had changed my life. And I'll never forget, she hugged me. And she talked about how happy she was for me and the fact that she actually prayed for me. She said, you know, because I was told by God to pray for my enemies. And so she prayed for me. And you know what I found myself doing? I found myself being drawn to that classroom, down that hallway, 
to see her regularly, to smile at her and to see her smile at me because there was forgiveness. Where there was, there was once brokenness in a relationship, that relationship was healed. Where there was once disrespect and disdain, there was now a, a mutual connection and appreciation and even love. And it changed the way we experienced one another. And so it is with everyone who repents of sin and believes in Jesus Christ. We are washed, we are forgiven, and we gain a right relationship with God. When, when our sin is washed away by grace, we're able to, to know that we can go forward and speak to God and know that he hears us when we come in Jesus' name. He makes us his own, and we know that he is happy to see us, and we are happy to see him, and we want to be near him. And we want to be near his people. That's why it's so exciting to me that we are going to begin to, to worship in this building together again. You know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of people out there, they, they don't understand church. There's so many who wrongly think that we Christians, we just want to be in a geographical location. Friends, gathering for worship is not about geography. It's about family. And what we can't wait to do as this family of faith that is living hope is to celebrate our Father together. We can't wait to gather to worship Him because that's what we desire. So when we are taken under that water at baptism, it's, it's picturing how we've been washed clean. We, we're celebrating the peace and now the right relationship we have with God the Father. The, the third thing I would encourage you to note is this. Baptism is a celebration of the start of a journey. Baptism is a celebration of the start of a journey. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 3, says this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Friends, baptism is not the last step. It is the first step of a Christian's life. Having repented and believed the gospel, it is the crucial first step. First steps are crucial because they set the trajectory. They guide us in the way in which we are going to go. Baptism sets the trajectory for a disciple of Jesus. Having repented of sins and believed in the gospel, we are to take that first step, that first step of obedience in baptism to basically get us going in a life that is going to obey God no matter what. Whether we're comfortable with it or not, what we're saying to Jesus is, you are my Lord, you are in charge, I trust you no matter what you say, no, no matter how I may feel about it, I'm going to do it. Baptism sets us in that trajectory. And, and baptized believers, what we are doing is we are publicly identifying with Jesus. We are basically saying we belong to him. That, that word baptism means to immerse. And what they used to do is when they wanted to dye cloth of the same color, if, if there was one that was, say, purple and another that was green, they wouldn't try to get the green one to be kind of like the purple, but instead what they would do is they would put both of them in the same purple dye so that when they came out, they were identical. And so it is for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We are to be immersed in Christ, with Christ in us, having been redeemed by his grace and love, uh, by the blood of Jesus when he died for our sins. And we are identical. We are identified with him. 
And, and so we now know and we express to others that we belong to Jesus. And we are also identified with Jesus's people. When we become followers of Jesus Christ, we are adopted into God's eternal family. God becomes our father. And all others who have repented and believed in Jesus, they are our brothers and sisters. And we are brought into a family. And we now have the same identity. We have the same purpose. We have the same love. We are unified in the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. And this is what baptism pictures. It, it pictures that we are those who belong to Jesus, that we are with Jesus, that we are with his church. And it also publicly identifies us with Jesus's cause. Because what we are now as those who believed in Jesus, and we talked about this some last week, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are now ambassadors for Christ. We are those who now represent God uh, in this fallen, broken world. And baptism provides us the first opportunity to make a public profession, to tell everyone what Jesus has done for us. It's a declaration of the good news of what God has and, and is doing and can do in other people's lives. We confess Christ and we say that he is our life and our life now belongs to him. See, believers baptism, it celebrates the new life we've been raised to walk in. And so picture this, if you will, it's a burial. It's an ending of our old life in darkness. It's a washing under that water. All of our sin is forgiven. And then we are raised up to walk in a new life. We have a new beginning. We have a new life that, that we are to reside in. Now, in order to be baptized, you first must repent and believe. Jesus said in Mark chapter one, verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus calls us to repent, turn away from our old life, our life in darkness, to believe that Jesus is God, lived a holy life, died to pay for our sin, and has been raised and is alive. The way we do that is we pray a prayer of repentance and belief. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you will confess with your mouth, that is to repent, that is to say, God, I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I'm wrong, but I believe, I believe in, the, in my heart that, that Jesus has, has come, that he has died for my sins and that you have been raised from the dead. If you believe that and you confess that, you repent, then you will be saved. And then what you're to do is to be baptized. You're to announce what Jesus has done in your life. To be baptized is to honor God in obedience and to proclaim your allegiance to him. You know, one of the most enjoyable days, one of those fun days in any ball player's life is, is once they've made the team, to be able to put on that uniform. I always, always loved it. You know, in Little League football, they always had a, a jamboree. And what would happen is, guys, they would talk about, I'm playing football. Hey, who are you playing for? And they would say, ah, I'm playing for this team. I'm, I'm playing for that team. You know, I'm playing for the Saints. You know, who are you, who are you playing with? I, you know, I'm, I'm, playing, I'm playing for the Bengals. You know, I, you know everyone's got their team. And, and no one really knows, you know, they go to school together, they hear about it. But then that opening day, 
They get to put on the uniform. They get to identify as being a part of that team. And there's typically pictures that are taken. Now, from that moment on, it goes from just being, this kid said he was on this team to, hey, this kid wore the uniform. He was on the team. He has a team picture to prove it. He is a part of this. This is now something he's doing, and there's proof of it. That's what baptism does. Baptism allows us to put on the uniform. It allows us to proclaim to everyone that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior because he's given us new life. Our old life is over. It's been washed, and we've been raised to walk in newness of life. It is a celebration of what God has done. Baptism announces who we live for and whose team we are on. Friends, let me ask you, who are you living for? Whose team are you on? Are you on your own? Are you on the world's team? Would you like to be on God's team? Would you like to belong to God? Would you like to have peace with God? Would you like God to be your father? Would you like all of your sins to be forgiven? Would you like to have a right standing for eternity and to belong to his heaven forever? You, you can have that. Friend, all you need to do is to claim Christ. All you need to do is to re repent of your sin. Believe what Jesus has done for you. Trust him and you will be saved. And once you're saved, you need to be baptized. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Some of you hearing me right now, some of you know you need to repent and believe. Let me, let me offer a prayer that you can pray in your heart if you truly believe this. Say something like this. Father God, please forgive me of my sin. I know Jesus is God and Jesus, you died for my sin and you have been raised and are alive. Please forgive me and take over my life. I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. Friends, if you believe that, if you can pray that and it's, and it's genuine in your heart and you truly think this and know this to be true, then you are saved and you've been given a new life and now you need to be baptized. Some of you have become followers of Jesus. You've repented of sin and you believe the gospel, but you've never made, you've never made that public profession of your faith through baptism. And friends, you're commanded to. This is not a request. This is a command of, of our Lord. And he tells us that we are to be baptized. Here's what I would encourage you to do. If today you've repented of your sin and believed in Christ, let me ask you to do something. Text uh, 84576. Welcome to hope, no space. And let us know that you've believed in Christ. If you need to be baptized, text 84576, welcome to hope. And just say, I need to be baptized. We will be in contact with you immediately. I also wanna encourage you today to pray to ask God for help. The Lord God cares for us. He knows what he's doing. He's got a plan for each of us who believe. He's working all things for good for those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. So if you have repented, believe the gospel. If you have made public profession of your saving faith in Jesus, if you are seeking to live for his glory, then, then if you need help, talk to your dad. I wanna encourage you to do that right now. And I wanna pray for you as you do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming and living a holy life to die for our sins and be raised. And we can't wait for you to come back as you promised you would. Holy Spirit, we're so glad you're here. 
We can't wait to learn more about you in the next couple of weeks. And we thank you for the new life you give to us so that we can believe. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling, who are dealing with hardship and hurts, Lord, who need to be healed. I pray that you would move powerfully for your purpose and glory and bring what only you can provide. Lord, do this so that you might receive glory and praise and bless your people. I ask this in the powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us for worship this morning. As we, as we part now and as we go into the world, I, I ask this prayer for you. I, I seek this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Until we meet again, until we gather for worship, the Lord bless you.